KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Why the U.S. Supreme Court blocked the business vaccine mandate. At one point in the dissent, the dissenters, it was actually a jointly signed opinion, called it perverse. I'm Maureen Kavanaugh. This is KPBS Midday Edition. Chula Vista is buying its surveillance drones from China. When a product is so bad for privacy that even the Pentagon is refusing to use it, I think that should be raising alarm bells. And a preview of events for Martin Luther King Jr. Day in San Diego. That's ahead on Midday Edition. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Most large businesses and corporations across America are on their own again regarding the question of employee COVID vaccinations. On Thursday, the U.S. Supreme Court blocked a vaccine mandate issued by the Biden administration. The vaccine or testing mandate would have applied to companies with 100 employees or more. Yesterday's Supreme Court decision has similarities with December's San Diego Superior Court ruling, which stopped San Diego Unified School District from enforcing a student vaccine vaccine mandate. So why are courts blocking measures that could slow down the spread of a disease that has already killed almost 850,000 Americans? Joining me to explain the law behind these rulings is legal analyst Dan Eaton, a partner at the San Diego law firm of Seltzer, Kaplan, McMahon, and Vitek. And Dan, welcome back to the show. Sure. Good to be with you again, Maureen. The Supreme Court's decision against Biden's vaccine mandate was six to three, split down along conservative and liberal lines. What is the conservative argument against the vaccine mandate for businesses? Well, what the majority said was that the Occupational Safety and Health Administration went beyond the uh, statutory bounds of regulating occupational hazards by trying to regulate a pandemic that is broadly afflicting uh, society. And it said, no, you're outside of your lanes. And therefore, you went too far uh, in trying to issue a mandate that's going to affect everyone indiscriminately, afflicting people no differently from, say, pollution and crime, a point the conservative majority specifically made in its unsigned opinion. But in their dissent, the liberal justices argue that OSHA does have the authority. How do they come to that conclusion? It was a very strongly written dissent, uh, Maureen. In fact, at one point in the dissent, uh, the dissenters, it was actually a jointly signed opinion, uh, called it perverse. That was the word that was used uh, given the circumstances of the pandemic. And I'm quoting here, to read the act's grant of emergency powers in the way the majority does as constraining OSHA from addressing one of the gravest workplace hazards in the agency's history, close quote. What they essentially said was that, look, an agency charged with 
regulating the workplace that has expertise is far better than a court which has no such expertise and no political accountability to do so. But somehow the OSHA vaccine mandate for healthcare workers employed at facilities that receive federal money was approved by the court. What made that different? The answer is actually in the way you phrased that excellent question, Maureen, which is it was a very different statute. And that particular statute, which dealt with the grant of federal money for uh, those uh, under the uh, Medicaid and Medicare programs, the issue uh, was whether the uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services could condition the grant of money to these healthcare facilities having their staffs vaccinated. And that is a power that agencies routinely exercise, conditioning the grant of taxpayer money on compliance with certain regulations. That said, the majority, a five to four majority, was allowable within the statutory grant. In other words, when you are talking about different kinds of laws, you are going to have from time to time, different outcomes, even when you were talking about essentially the same kind of regulation, in this case, a vaccine mandate. Now, the San Diego judge who ruled against San Diego Unified also said the district lacked the authority to issue a student vaccine mandate. Why is that? But that gets to the point that I just made. It reinforces the idea that you are talking about an issue of whether COVID-19 is on one of the list, which allows Uh, a list of uh, diseases that you can sort of bypass the ordinary regulations to issue these kinds of mandates and condition attendance at school for being vaccinated. And it's not. The legislature has not yet acted. And uh, therefore, because uh, the uh, San Diego Superior Court said if any action is going to come with respect to vaccine mandates, it's going to have to come from the legislature. You can't do it as an individual school district. It's an issue of staying within the lanes of the statutory grant of authority in all of these cases. So is it a legal problem then that governing bodies like Congress and state governments are not issuing these mandates themselves? Well, it sounds like it's more a political consideration than anything else. The interesting thing is when you talk about the essential question, which is who gets to decide these issues, Justice Gorsuch went out of its way, almost as a rejoinder uh, to the liberals about who gets to decide, to say, There is no question that state and local uh, authorities get to regulate public health generally. It's just that a lot of them have not. In California, for example, we have our own mandate with respect to uh, vaccination of healthcare workers that preceded the one that uh, the Supreme Court just upheld in yesterday's ruling. So uh, the bottom line is it's more an issue of the political bodies making different political considerations. There is a real question about whether the uh, state political actors state and local political actors have this authority. It is clear, as your question suggests, that that power, if it exists, hasn't been exercised. Is there anything in these recent rulings that block private companies from mandating that their employees get vaccinated or frequently tested for COVID? No. And it is very important that people understand that, that uh, it, it absolutely does not affect the power of private employers of any size to require vaccination. Of course, there are some states that prohibit private employers from uh, imposing vaccine mandates like Texas. California is not one of them. Private employers retain the ability to require their employees uh, to be vaccinated as a condition of employment in the at-will private setting. There are all kinds of complications when you get outside of that setting, which applies to the vast majority of the workplace. 
I've been speaking with Dan Eaton, legal analyst and partner at the San Diego law firm Seltzer, Kaplan, McMahon, and Vitek. Dan, thank you very much. Great to be with you, Maureen. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. The Chula Vista Police Department is using Chinese-made surveillance drones the Pentagon says might pose a national security risk. KPBS's Amitha Sharma spoke to privacy and technology experts about what that might mean for the city located seven miles from the U.S.-Mexico border. The U.S. Department of Defense says drones produced by Chinese manufacturer DJI pose potential threats to national security. Eight of the 10 Chula Vista Police Department drones are made by DJI, according to the city's website. That is a serious problem, says Albert Fox Kahn, who is executive director of the New York-based Surveillance Technology Project. When a product is so bad for privacy that even the Pentagon is refusing to use it, I think that should be raising alarm bells. The drones are central to the police department's public safety strategy, and data from them is run through its new real-time operations center. The Chicago-based tech conglomerate Motorola Solutions provides key software for the center. In its contract with Chula Vista, Motorola Solutions disclaims any liability for DJI's use of the data it collects through the drones. KPBS reached out to the Chula Vista City Council and Mayor Mary Salas, who approved the contract, but they refused to comment. Also refusing to comment were City Manager Maria Kachadurian and City Attorney Glenn Guggins, both of whom signed the contract with Motorola. San Francisco lawyer Will Cooper specializes in contractual disputes. He says there's good reason why Motorola would want that limitation on liability. The more risky it is, the more sensitive it is, the more likely the parties to that agreement are going to want to get the most protection they can. DJI is among the world's leading drone manufacturers, accounting for more than half of the global market. But in recent years, the company has been flagged by several federal agencies for security reasons. In 2017, the U.S. Homeland Security Department stated that DJI Science and Technology is providing U.S. critical infrastructure and law enforcement data to the Chinese government. Chula Vista began its drone program in 2018 and purchased DJI drones as recently as 2020. People don't realize the depths of Chinese espionage and the fact that they use any opportunity. Jim Lewis is a researcher at the DC-based Bipartisan Center for Strategic and International Studies. He says the U.S. is engaged in the biggest espionage battle with China it's ever had. The way people engage in espionage has changed. It's moved largely to technology and digital devices. 
So how could the Chinese government get data from a drone in Chula Vista? Technology experts say it starts with the fact that DJI can still access a drone's software even after it's been sold. Lewis says just like your cell phone carrier has access to your data, DJI and by extension the Chinese government could view drone footage by tapping into the software when it's being updated. Chula Vista's contract with Motorola says the police department requested the DJI software. DJI declined an interview request but referred KPBS to a statement it made last year. In the statement, the company said it had done nothing to warrant the suspicion. Lewis says DJI company representatives have told him it does not turn over data to the Chinese government. It doesn't matter because they don't have the right to say no in China under Chinese law. Amita Sharma, KPBS News. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. This is KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Maureen Cavanaugh. This weekend in the arts, there's a pairing of photography and contemporary dance, a couple of outdoor or virtual Martin Luther King Jr. Day celebrations, and some outdoor blues. Joining me with all the details is KPBS arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans. And Julia, welcome. Hi, Maureen. Thanks for having me. Now, first is art we can see from the sidewalk though you do recommend making an appointment to see it indoors, too. Tell us about Disremember. Right, this is an exhibition by photographer Doug McMinimy, who is a professional dance photographer, and he's also a former dancer. And for this project, he took local choreographer Kamla Sompan's pretty recent work called Purposely Accidental. This choreography was commissioned by San Diego Dance Theater during the pandemic. And Sompan wrote it about her home country of Laos, how it is the most bombed per capita in the world. The statistics are pretty staggering. Something like 80 million bombs remain undetonated for decades. They're effectively landmines. And she said that the mines are so omnipresent in the country. They're in the landscape and also in daily tragedy. And this dance, this choreography was striking. It debuted in a virtual performance and was also performed outdoors last spring. It has a solo dancer. And one of the things the photographer was inspired by was these really crisp gestural movements. He says he is photographed so many dances before, but this was the first he'd ever considered turning into art like this. Uh, Somhan, the choreographer, said it had been pretty inspiring being part of this transformation into a still photography show. In the creative process, we have to trust what and how things come out. 
and we can have an approach, but that's part of what we do. And because art is alive. So you can see most of this exhibition from the sidewalk at Art Produce in North Park, and they are keeping the gallery lit up at night. In fact, night is the best time to see it. But if you do make an appointment to go in, you can have the place to yourself and listen to a soundtrack with the dance music and then a speech by former President Obama to the people of Laos. And you can also experience the the photography that's underfoot on the floor. And here's why Doug McMinnamy did that. By placing the photos on the floor, I wanted to give us just the faintest of faintest echoes of that anxiety as well. And uh, that you're suddenly very aware of where you're stepping. Doug McMinnamy's Disremember is on view at Art Produce in North Park now through January 29th. Now, in La Jolla, there is another interdisciplinary art exhibit at the Athenaeum Music and Arts Library. Tell us about La Jolla Reading Room. Yeah, this one combines the idea of a large-scale sculptural installation with the idea of a reading room. And this one is by Matthew Hebert and Jared Stanley. They've built these massive architectural sculptures that fill the gallery. They look kind of like a maze of, of reading desks. And each one, they will play a recording. They've gathered a bunch of sound by recording artists, writers, or book lovers thumbing through or, or discussing or even reading out loud from art books in the museum's collection. And all together, it's like this cacophony of sound. It's part community hive mind, part noise art, and part love letter to reading rooms. And this one opens tonight with a reception at 6.30. And then they have regular gallery hours from 10 to 5.30 on Saturday. It'll be on view through March 12th. That's La Jolla Reading Room opening tonight at the Athenaeum. Monday is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And Julia, tell us about some events around San Diego to commemorate the holiday. So there's an outdoor event at the World Beat Center on Monday from 1 to 4.30. They have recently switched this to an outdoor event and scaled it back a little bit, but there's tons of musical performers, there's food, an outdoor market, and um, there'll be performances by Native American drummers, and then a keynote from speaker Shane Harris. And if you're looking for something virtual, Alliance San Diego is hosting their 34th annual All People Celebration. That'll be online again. Alliance San Diego is a social justice organization, and they'll have two performers lined up for this. One is Tomas Donker from the New York-based True Groove, and another is vocalist Jada Holiday. This is Monday morning from 10 to 11 a.m., but ticket sales do end on Sunday evening. And if you can't make the virtual event Monday morning, the keynote speaker at the All People Celebration, disability rights activist Rebecca Coakley, will be joining us Monday at noon on Midday Edition. And Julia, finally, some music outdoors. Mara Kay is performing at Panama 66 tonight. What's that going to be like? Right. So if you don't know, Panama 66 is an outdoor restaurant and bar that's part of San Diego Museum of Art, kind of integrated with their public free gallery and also the public free sculpture garden. And in the free gallery right now, which is the hall between the restaurant and the bathrooms and the main museum, you can catch John Raymond Morell's powerful destroyed art exhibition called Disestablishment. And that's only up until the end of this month. 
And Panama 66, of course, is also a great place to see live music outdoors if you're wanting to avoid indoor performances or crowds. Mara Kay is a blues singer with such a great voice, and she will be accompanied by jazz piano player Ed Kornhauser and bassist Mackenzie Layton. Mara Kay has been releasing some new songs lately with piano player Carl Sonny Leyland. It's hopefully a sign of a forthcoming album. And here's their brand new single. It's a version of dystopian blues which was originally written for Kay as part of the alfred howard write songs with friends project i get them every time Mara Kay performs at Panama 66 tonight from 6 to 8 p.m. Now, as always, be sure to check with event organizers for any last-minute changes before heading out. You can find details on these and more arts events or sign up for Julia's weekly newsletter at kpbs.org arts. I've been speaking with KPBS arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans. And thank you, Julia. Thank you, Maureen. Have a good weekend. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.